Welcome to Stories from the Midland, a collection of tales from Teller County and the surrounding areas. Today's story is about the two types of railroad that transported ore, supplies, machinery, and passengers to and from the Cripple Creek Mining District. This episode was written and is being presented for you by Tommy Allen. Hello everyone, I'm going to start this episode with a quick disclaimer. This episode is specifically about train service into the mining district. The railways being the Florence and Cripple Creek Railroad, the Midland Terminal Railway, and the Colorado Springs and Cripple Creek District Railway. This episode doesn't cover trains operating within the district, trolleys, or improvised mail carriers. Bob Womack discovered gold in the Cripple Creek area in late 1890, kicking off a gold rush in a mountainous area that sat about 10,000 feet above sea level and was nearly inaccessible. The growing mining district sat on the southwest slope of Pikes Peak, but to get there from the nearest city, Colorado Springs, one had to travel by wagon up the treacherous Ute Trail, also known as Ute Pass, which ran to the northeast of the mountain to modern-day Divide, and then turned south through Midland. The journey was around 60 miles and could take several heart-thumping days to complete. Obviously, transportation of people and supplies into and gold or out from the Cripple Creek District and to the mills in the much lower-lying areas was problematic. The solution was, of course, to build railways into the district. Eventually, two types of railway would be utilized, narrow gauge and standard gauge. In 1894, the Florence and Cripple Creek Railroad, abbreviated as the F and CC, was completed for a cost of approximately $500,000. Starting on the Arkansas River in Florence at about 5,200 feet above sea level, the FNCC made its way up the winding, steep, and narrow Phantom Canyon for 40 miles before entering the city of Victor, having climbed over 4,500 feet and then going on to Cripple Creek. Given the terrain challenges, the FNCC planners needed to consider size, agility, or maybe flexibility is a better word, and cost. So the FNCC, and most of the other railways penetrating the Rocky Mountains at the time, was built as a narrow-gauge railway. With a narrow-gauge railway, everything is generally smaller than at standard-gauge. Rail-gauge is measured from the inside of one rail to the inside of the opposing rail. For the FNCC, that distance was 3 feet, or 914 millimeters, unlike a standard-gauge's 4 feet 8.5 inches. One key benefit of the narrow gauge is that curves can be much tighter, a necessity when negotiating Phantom Canyon. Smaller and narrower trains also mean smaller tunnels and bridges, as well as lighter, cheaper construction materials. And overall, narrow gauge railways require less equipment and are generally cheaper in their operation. Of course, narrow gauge railroads such as the FNCC do have their trade-offs. Trains cannot travel as fast as their standard gauge brethren, especially around turns. Also, smaller locomotives and cars mean smaller payloads. And because narrow gauge railroads generally travel short distance routes, connecting standard gauge railroads to out of the way places, narrow gauge payloads must eventually be transferred to standard gauge cars if they are to travel long distances 
and of course vice versa. For the F and CC, this meant that when the train reached its turnaround point in Florence, any payload or passengers not terminating their trip there were removed from the narrow gauge cars and transferred to the standard gauge cars of the Denver and Rio Grande Railroad. In 1883, the Colorado Midland Railway broke the narrow gauge mold when it became the first standard gauge railway to cross the Continental Divide in Colorado. It originated in Colorado Springs, traveled up Ute Pass through Divide and Florissant, and continued onward through Leadville to just west of Glenwood Springs. In 1893, construction began on a railway to connect the Colorado Midland Railway Station in Divide to the Cripple Creek District. And in January 1895, the Midland Terminal Railway began operations. The new railway was standard gauge with a space between opposing tracks of four feet, eight and a half inches. Unlike the F and CC as we talked about earlier, the Midland Terminal cars did not need to be emptied for transition to the Colorado Midland Railway. Full ore cars from the mining district could simply be uncoupled from the Midland Terminal locomotives and then coupled to the Colorado Midland ones for onward transport to Colorado Springs and beyond. Of course, the wider tracks meant potentially larger cars and therefore larger payloads. They also meant that trains could potentially travel at higher speeds, especially into turns, even though the turns necessarily had to be wider than those of narrow gauge rails. One thing we haven't talked about is that the wider gauge railroads were much smoother, meaning a more pleasant passenger service. Eventually, to combat the rising freight costs of the FNCC and the Midland Terminal Railways, mine and mill owners between Cripple Creek and Colorado Springs built the third railway into the area, the Colorado Springs and Cripple Creek District Railway. For this final railway, the standard gauge configuration was also chosen. Thank you for listening. This is Tommy Allen, and on behalf of Trevor Phipps, have a great day. And if you find yourself traveling down a narrow gauge railway, slow down for the turns. We look forward to having you join us next time for more Stories from the Midland.